The French top flight has made for some sensational headlines this summer, from Kylian Mbappé snobbing Real Madrid to Saint-Étienne supporters attacking their own players after being relegated. And today I'm joined by Michael LaHood and Jonathan Johnson to pick over some of the biggest talking points from Ligue 1 as preseason beckons for the League of Talents. Diego Lasso begins right now. Today's Kegel Lasso episode is presented by Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. For those who don't like to sweat, the choice is clear. Gillette is your ticket to all-day freshness. Gillette, the best a man can get. The choice is clear. Presented by Gillette Clear Gel. Welcome, everybody. Kegel Lasso. We have Jonathan Johnson and Michael LaHood as we discuss Liga, specifically PSG, as they're closing in after the, you know, uh, supposed reported impending, pending exit of Mauricio Pochettino. Now there is the decision of the new manager, and it's between Christophe Galtier, who seems to be the one that's coming in, over Sinedine Zidane, who was going to be the popular choice. So I have here Michael LaHood and Jonathan Johnson as we discuss is this choice the clear one. Jonathan Johnson, let's begin with you. Christophe Galtier, we know what he's done in the French top flight and, of course, his uh, experience uh, in that division. What do you make of it? What's the latest and what would you say in terms of Christophe Galtier over Sinadine Sudan? Hey there, guys. Great to be back on with you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting one. And dare I say it, it, you know, if PSG managed to get this deal over the line, it's a smart move. Uh, you know, first of, you know, hopefully many this summer uh, in terms of PSG turning things around after a stagnant couple of years uh, of their project. And I guess there's different ways that you can look at it, pros and cons, pros. Christophe Galtier knows Ligue like the back of his hand. Three-time uh, best manager in Ligue winner. Uh, he's also won uh, the, the Ligue title against, uh, you know, Qatari-owned PSG uh, with Lille, also won the Coupe de la Ligue uh, when he was with Saint-Étienne uh, and has basically made a success of some very difficult situations, both with Saint-Étienne and then with Lille. Uh, and, you know, I would... I would argue as well that he actually did pretty well in his first season with Nice as well. Some people would beg to differ, uh, you know, but I think there is that argument that Galtier is somebody who was definitely more of a sure bet domestically, but then there are question marks mm. over his Champions League record. And you absolutely cannot question Zinedine Zidane's Champions League record, uh, given everything that he's achieved with Real Madrid. So I think it comes down to the simple question of, you know, which one of those two guys wanted the, the PSG position more. And we know that Zinedine Zidane's priority for a while now uh, has been the French national team. And given that we've got the World Cup coming up at the end of the year, Didier Deschamps looks to be, I'm not going to say on borrowed time, but he looks to be approaching the end of his you know natural uh, cycle uh, with Le Bleu. It, it doesn't make any sense for, for Zinedine Zidane to commit to something which really is going to require at least three years, uh, you know, if in six months' time the, his dream job might become available. So I think to an extent it was a non-starter, but also at the back of Zinedine Zidane's mind is perhaps, you know, are there any other clubs out there who I would like to join who are kind of primed for Champions League success that I can step in and basically get them over the line. So I can understand why there might have been a temptation uh, from Zidane. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, emotion connected to the fact that he comes from Marseille, but never played for and has never coached uh, the club. But at the end of the day, I think that Galtier is the smarter choice, especially when PSG have just brought in Luis Campos. 
uh, to basically shape the sporting project. Uh, Campos uh, and Galtier worked together in Lille, and obviously Campos has uh, a phenomenal reputation given everything he achieved in Ligue 1 with Monaco and then Lille. So very, very interesting uh, toss-up between the two, but I think ultimately Galtier will be the more pragmatic choice for PSG. Well, I just want to start off by saying <clears throat> bonjour. Been practicing Duolingo, my French. We're doing Ligue 1. So well done. JJ, the easiest yeah. word. Well done, Mike. I'm going to put it to the test when uh, Mike uh, comes and it's visits. In October. Yeah, I know, man. I, bonjour and baguette. Those are, that's as far as I got. I failed my first couple of tests. But I won't fail this one. And here's why. It depends on this PSG just desire to conquer Europe in the Champions League. They need to put that to rest and go with the more pragmatic coach, as you said. And here's why. Look, it ain't working. You keep going after all these names. You keep going after, you know, just shoot for the stars. You land on the moon. But football is a team sport, and it starts at the top. You need to have someone who knows the league. You need to have someone who can get the best out of players that also has a relationship with the sporting director. I think because they have a prior relationship, that is going to bode well for PSG in the longer term. And you've committed to Kylian Mbappe. There's a revolution happening inside that locker room, and you need to have a bit of calm and a bit of connection between the manager and the sporting director. And I think that, that's the key thing in this relationship that makes Gautier probably the better choice. And what you said about Sizu, I just, I just don't see it. It'd be, it'd be really odd to see him in the PSG dugout, especially because Zizou, Madrid. That's just a marriage that, that just, it's just that my mind can't take it. I feel like I'll have to fill my coffee up with something else other than coffee, just not the regular stuff, the stronger stuff that we can't talk about on this show. Well, you can. We've done it in the past, so don't worry about that. Uh, but the choice is clear per PSG, of course, as Christophe Galtier seems the favorite to take over. We will see if he indeed, because of his French experience in the top flight and, of course, with the clubs that JJ mentioned, can PSG finally not just dominate Ligue 1, but the Champions League. We will have to wait and see. Moving on, let's talk about Neymar Jr. at PSG, Jonathan Johnson, the Brazilian, feeling very happy with the national team. Obviously, when it comes to his club football, uh, things were good from uh, a league on perspective. PSG reclaimed that trophy, but Champions League, once again, they couldn't get it done. It's going to be an interesting few months for Neymar Jr. as he gets ready for a new season before even the Qatari World Cup. What's the latest in terms of what's going on with him? Obviously, with Lionel Messi there, still Kylian Mbappé staying, et cetera, et cetera, and a new manager coming in. What's going on with Neymar and his future, his fate with Paris Saint-Germain? Yeah, it's uh, you know really good timing on this topic, given that Nasser Al Halafi did did the rounds with some exclusive interviews uh, less than 24 hours ago, discussed basically the state of play with PSG, uh, and was asked uh, when he was doing his Spanish interviews uh, that whether Neymar might be on the move uh, or you know whether there's no longer any room in the project for him. Uh, and Al Halafi was you know I, I wouldn't say reassuring uh, you know if, if you're Neymar. Um, because basically, without sort of singling him out, uh, you know, basically said that 
the, the you know the the sort of indulgences of the the, the PSG superstars, the glitter era, uh, is over. PSG want to go for for something more functional uh, and be more of a team, uh, you know, as opposed to having just a, a collection of stars sort of in their comfort zone, which uh, you know kind of is kind of familiar. Let's not forget that it's not the first time that Al Halafi has had to come out and speak publicly about uh, Neymar and his potential future in the French capital. It happened before, back in 2019 a raft of changes were made um, PSG actually went on and enjoyed their most stro- their strongest performance uh, in the Champions League got to the final and then got to another semi-final before it all sort of fell away under Maurizio Pochettino and I think the, the key issue with Neymar being realistic after he's signed his latest uh, contract who is going to stump up the money to, to come in and sign him even yeah, if PSG even, yeah. even if PSG take a cut uh, in in the money that they might be expecting to bring in. That contract is enormous, plus a transfer fee. It whittles the list down to a very finite uh, number of clubs. Uh, and I'd argue, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast uh, a couple, a month or so ago, that somebody like a Newcastle United is probably the most realistic mm. destination. And it doesn't seem like they'd be willing to, to take a risk on somebody who I don't think would adapt particularly well to Premier League football uh, and certainly would find cultural issues uh, in England, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, might stop him from, from bedding in. So obviously he's much more comfortable in Paris than he, than he was in the first couple of years of his time with PSG. But I don't think it's unreasonable for PSG to expect him to knuckle down. And I said this when the contract extension of of Mbappe was confirmed. I think it's a good thing that there's a player within the PSG squad who wants to hold PSG to higher sporting standards. And if that results in Neymar being unable to be moved on and then having to to get down and work hard on the pitch, I actually think that's a bonus for PSG. You know, there's a song that I think of when I think of Neymar's time at PSG. You guys like Boys to Men? Of end course, of the, man. End of, end of the road. Although we've got <laughs> to the end of the... Is that Whoa, good? Me. <laughs> you might be a PSG Locker Room Grammy Award winner. Because I doesn't think... doesn't say much, I think. Yeah, I know. I think... Anyway, where's your Boys to Men uh, uh, parallel here? What, 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 what are you bringing? Uh, one of the it's... greatest R&B boy groups ever. What was going on? It's the end of the road, baby. Oh, it's the end of the you road. See it? Really? It's okay. the end. I, 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 I think if not this year, then but for who sure. can afford his contract, Mike Lee? Hey, you know what? There's a lot of money in the Middle East. Neymar is a commodity. He's not just a football player. He is just an entertaining, just sporting commodity. I think that he will follow the money, continue to follow the money. And the fact that they committed to Mbappe in in such larger-than-life proportions, there's a lot of question marks if you're a player in that PSG locker room that go through your head. And if you're Neymar, you were the guy that they committed to first before Mbappe came along. So I would imagine the Neymar camp would be a little bit rattled, asking questions of their own. And when you look at the the sporting decisions being made, I think PSG are going to go towards younger players the Hollywood atmosphere, the Hollywood just aura of this team, I think is going to go out the window. The standards are being raised, and I think they're going to go after league uh, players who are young, who are hungry, and that puts pressure on superstars like Neymar. The years of yesteryears of vacations, of play sometimes, playing certain games, dictate things to the staff. I think they're coming to an end, and if I'm Neymar in his camp, I, I would definitely be looking to try and move the project elsewhere for him, I, I just 
I don't have a good feeling for him in terms of being in a PSG short shirt shirt and shorts Jordan shorts for my songer. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's uh, that that that's fair enough, and I I I do see a strong argument to towards finishing uh, the the experiment with Neymar. Although the other thing that I would say is. There's going to be a natural breaking point for this PSG attack in one year's time because Lionel Messi, mm. I don't think, will stay on for another year uh, with PSG. I know there's an option in the contract, but I think this will be a two-year deal and out uh, for Messi. And whether that means that they revamp the entire attack then, possibly, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think so much depends on being able to thrash out uh, a deal that is palatable for PSG. I don't think they'd loan somebody out like Neymar. So it's a question of finding a landing spot. They won't let him go uh, on a free transfer. So you're probably looking at somebody prepared to pay at least the best part of uh, 100 million euros. That's going to be very difficult to find. Uh, and I wonder if perhaps uh, a good season, uh, you know, of him, you know, getting down to it on the pitch, uh, you know, could actually either give him hope of, of potentially staying on with PSG and achieving something in Paris, uh, or at least make him more attractive to another club that perhaps wants to come in and take him off of uh, PSG's hands when there is that natural breaking point with Messi, which will free up you know, a lot of wage space if they want to, you know, go uh, out there and try and bring in somebody younger, somebody French. Uh, that's another thing that Nasser El Halafi said. They're going to look closer to home for talents uh, and try and build this this kind of like homegrown project, uh, given that, you know, how many talented players they have on their doorstep. So you've got them linked with Hugo Ekatike of uh, Reims. Uh, and obviously Christopher Nkunku, who left PSG mm. to go to RB Leipzig uh, and is now completely blown up in the Bundesliga as well. Yeah, well, there's going to be life after Neymar. Clearly, there's going to be life after Messi. Clearly, there's even going to be life after Kylian Mbappé. I, this is why I thought that, you know, the only reason why, and I know that, Mike, you said it earlier, why it would have been weird to see Sedan with PSG. But this is why I think he, sh you know, uh, he would have been great here. Because if there's, mm -hmm. if there's yeah. somebody out there, if there's a manager out there that can control the egos, and I mean it for better or worse, of the superstars like Kylian Mbappé, Lionel Messi, and Neymar, the only one, is Zinedine Zidane. He is the only bigger name in there that can demand something. And sometimes I feel, and it's because I watch Neymar with Chiche so much with Brazil, Neymar needs somebody to look up to. He needs somebody that can just, you know, mentor him like a child because he still is that Santos kid that wants to have some good, a good time. And to your point, Michael, obviously looking for the, for the big buck, but he is closing in on Pele's record and that's not a coincidence. He really does deliver when he has the right type of management. And that's why I thought maybe Sedan could be it. Regardless of all that, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Before we take a break, though, I do want to go, and I'll go to you first, Mike. Uh, give me just your assessment of Mauricio Pochettino and his time at, at PSG as he's obviously, you know, on his way out. I, I, you know, he did win the cup double. He did win mm. the league. He took uh, PSG to the semifinals of the Champions League. I believe only Thomas Tuchel was the only one that could batter that. Uh, is that right? LME, you could win the cup double. By the way, I think I, could, I think I could win the Champions League with PSG. It's one of those uh, drunken <laughs> conversations as well. Yeah. Mike, yeah. okay, so talk about Pochettino based on what JJ just said. What was it? Was it basically just a walk in the park for him and not good enough from the Argentinian manager at Paris Saint-Germain? I think he had to deal with elements that previous managers have never had to deal with. Yes, superstars have been coming to PSG, but the arrival of both Lionel Messi and Sergio Ramos, I wonder at what point were players forced upon him. The Messi the Messi situation in particular, I think maybe the under, the understanding was, hey, Messi's Argentinian, Pochettino's Argentinian, maybe there might be some mutual respect there. 
but I think it was just too much for him to handle, and rightfully so. A manager a la Zidane would be better equipped from his track record at Real Madrid, as you said before, but Poch ain't Zidane. Poch is still a good manager. You saw how they lined up against Real Madrid, and they were so close. They put a game and a half together where they looked like one of the best teams in Europe. And those are the moments that have gotten away from Poch. You saw it with him at Tottenham where they were so close. And then something psychological happens with the team, with him, where it all just goes south. And I really hope that this won't be the defining chapter. We know that it's not going to be the defining chapter. I I think leagues like La Liga might be in store for him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Michael. You know, know, JJ, because I I think about his Espanol days, actually. I think Pochettino is at his best when he has a team that's hungry. And a different type of hunger to PSG, right? Somebody like teams that want to prove to themselves. Espanol, and that's why he went to Southampton and stuff. How would you assess his time at PSG? Somebody that covers this club inside and out. Uh, Underwhelming. Uh, I agree with Mike. Uh, I do still think that there is a very good coach there. Uh, I just don't think, in hindsight, it was a very good fit uh, with PSG at all. I think, unfortunately, Pochettino talked up such a strong game that when he arrived, expectations were sky high. And a lot of everything that he talked up was basically blown away in the first six months when... I think people realized the penny dropped that for Pochettino returning to PSG actually wasn't this emotional homecoming that had been built up, even with his time uh, as Spurs coach. Uh, and also there was very little effort to speak French. Uh, you know, obviously there was mm. there was little left over from his time spent in France where he was PSG captain. He also went and played for Bordeaux as well. Uh, so I think many people were feeling shortchanged that and the fact that Pochettino, uh, you know, wasn't committed maybe enough to the project to want to actually move his family and his life, uh, you know, to the French capital. So it suggested that he was always targeting a short-term stay. Uh, Then there was the fact that it was PSG who took up the option to extend his contract, not him, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of negotiating that uh, extended stay with PSG. So it almost felt like a a marriage of convenience at first Mm -hmm. uh, and then a marriage of inconvenience for the, for the final season. I'd say that Pochettino should have achieved more uh, in terms of trophies. But then again, when you look at the coaches that have come in since Laurent Blanc, you could make an argument that a lot of them have have underwhelmed with the exception of Thomas Tuchel, who got them over that hump, got them to the Champions League final and had them, at least on paper, uh, you know, still dominating domestically. Why is this, JJ? I want to, why, well, let's break, why is this happening to PSG? Is it the pressure? Is it, is that it? Is it the fact that this is one of the most, you know, uh, richest, wealthiest clubs in the world after Newcastle, of course, uh, Man City, etc.? Is that it? Is, is it a lack of understanding French culture? What, what, what is it? And what, what is it? Is because Galtier coming in because he knows French football so well. It, do they think that's going to be the answer? What, what's going on? Who can unlock this PSG talent? I think a lot of it is down to just respect, respect from the players, respect from the staff towards the domestic league. People can say what they want uh, about PSG playing in Ligue 1 and Ligue 1 strengths, its weaknesses. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's PSG's domestic league. Nothing is going to change that anytime soon. I mean, like at least not for the better. Mm. Uh, you know, I hope that we don't see the the Super League happening anytime soon. Uh, you know, but that's really the only thing that could change the fact that PSG play the bulk of their matches in France uh, and in Lyon. So there's no point sort of moaning about it. Instead, when people say to me, "Oh, PSG walk," uh, you know the you know the the French league and the French Cup every season. When was the last time? outside of COVID that they actually won all of the domestic titles. So it's quite a while ago now. So 
I think that PSG need to get back to being dominant domestically in the way that they were under Laurent Blanc when they had guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Thiago Motta, Blaise Matuidi, Maxwell, Thiago Silva, guys that sort of regulated their own dressing room and, mm. you know, gave French football the kind of minimum level of respect it needs because at the end of the day, okay, a lot of them weren't there to be successful in France and in Ligue 1. They were all chasing the Champions League dream, but at least they took it seriously enough to ensure that PSG won absolutely everything every season because they wanted to win. And that is the mentality that PSG are now trying to capture. Whether Gautier is the guy to bring that in or not, or to foster that, we'll have to wait and see. But the one thing that I will say about Gautier is he's one of the few people that Zlatan chose to respect from his time mm. in French football, recognized a strong adversary when he saw him. And Zlatan also had massive respect for uh, Laurent Blanc's assistant manager, Jean-Louis Gasset, who was basically the de facto coach for PSG the majority of the time, because Blanc was one of those managers who prefers to distance himself himself from uh, from his players so there were very few people Zumana Kamara uh, who's now in PSG's youth setup another one of them who earned the respect of somebody from that different era uh, of the game and I think Galtier has the potential to possibly bring in that kind of chemistry helped by the fact that Kylian Mbappe who's PSG's star man absolutely craves that level of seriousness for the project I think a lot of it comes down to the pressure on one trophy, the UEFA Champions League. And when you have so much pressure being eyed towards that trophy, it makes everything else obsolete. It's like when in life, when so many things are going well your way, but you have this ambition, this goal that trumps everything else, nothing is good enough. And if you're a manager and you're taking this job, you're coming in knowing that there's a target on your back if you don't deliver in year one, that your job's in question. Well, that pressure then filters into uncertainty in that locker room. Now, if you shift the movement away from trying to buy up superstars, the Harlem Globetrotters of soccer, to achieve this Champions League trophy, and you, you start building a culture. When Zlatan was there, when this project started of revamping PSG into a European giant, you had a culture. Zlatan, you know, Thiago Silva, the, there, were, there were culture builders in that. You know, Carlo Ancelotti built a culture that was a core and, you know, they, they didn't turn the corner quite yet with that group, but that was more of a team. That was more, there's more of a togetherness in that group than there is in modern day PSG soccer. And I think until those things are addressed and some of the expectations are, are dwindled down into, you know, life-size things, then I think it's going to be just asking way too much for just about any manager. I've got a quick question for you guys, and we know how much talent there is in that PSG team, and I, I think Mike has a very valid point, but if that kind of pressure and that expectation has trickled down to the players, obviously they've cracked at times in the Champions League. Now, as good as they are, does that mean you have to sweep the decks with basically anybody who's been associated long-term with that kind of failure? And I'm talking about the Marquinhoses, mm. the Marco Verratis of the team, guys who mentally, uh, you know, I've only really known PSG as this team that kind of chokes, uh, you know, on the biggest stage. I would say no. I, there, there's Marquinhos I would keep because he's 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 actually gotten better since the likes of a Thiago Silva has left. I mean, this guy is scoring goals, big goals for them in the Champions League. That run to the final, he was a pivotal figure. I know Neymar and Mbappe got a lot of plaudits, but he was the guy who was delivering behind the scenes. And he's now become the captain and he's delivering for the Brazilian national team. I'm glad you mentioned Marco Verratti because at what point do they move away from Marco Verratti? 
This PSG team talk about culture setting with contracts. There's so many guys who are part of the old guard, the old guard now, who keep getting their contracts extended, and they're bringing in new stars. So it's like you're building this molehill of just talented players. You got Wijnaldum, who doesn't look like a fit, but these guys are all on big money. Ander Herrera is still there somehow, doesn't play many games. And I think it's at what point do you move forward from saying, you know what, if we're going to move this project forward, we have to get rid of some of these players because it's just amassing talent and there's an overload of talent at this club. Yeah, it's such a tough question because when I think of PSG, I almost don't, can't even think about trying to make a comparison with any other club. When you try and change culture, it's a step-by-step process. But at the same time, it's almost like using uh, players as uh, you know an escape goat because I don't think that's the issue. I think whether Barquinhos stays or goes is not the issue. Whether Verratti stays or goes is not the issue. The issue I feel is like somebody needs to come in and identify that as PSG's number one problem. And I th- I don't think Pochettino did it. To your point, Jonathan Johnson on how he came in. I don't think uh, many managers before that could do it. Maybe Galtier can be the one because you know the respect that he commands. It's going to be an intriguing preseason and you know they have the tools to do it that's the frustrating thing it's just to see can they essentially win uh the coveted trophy which is the champions league but we will have to wait and see we're going to take a break by the way when we come back some more league on discussion including leon and the new acquisition of course and also you know it's not quite Le- uh, league anymore but the story regarding Bordeaux and, you know, what that says about the financial situation regarding French football. Mike LaHue, Jonathan Johnson will have some final thoughts. Diego Lasso will be right back. The soccer calendar knows no breaks, so it's always all systems go here on Gig or Lasso. Staying on top of the global game is an all-day gig. Then there's the added stress of being a helplessly loyal fan who obsesses over every minor detail concerning my club. Throwing on top of that the studio lights, the public speaking, the breaking news, it's a recipe for perspiration. But nah, not for yours truly. Fortunately for me, sweat and bad odors are two things I never have to worry about. Thanks to the long-lasting power of Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. I can get on with my day, which mainly involves uh, staying on top of the latest Aston Villa news and telling myself it's strictly for work purposes without breaking a sweat. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant goes on with an anti-white mark formula and protects your nostrils from those nasty under-armpit smells while giving you 72-hour sweat protection. If you want all-day freshness, the choice is clear. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant is a tap-in. Get your Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant at a store near you. Welcome back, everybody. Kegolasso, Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, Leon. What a club. Uh, John Texter closing in on acquiring the French team, of course. What's the latest updates here, Jonathan Johnson? Yeah, well, there was a uh, press conference between Jean-Michel Olas and Textor uh, that went on earlier this week. Uh, basically, the, the the deal is now completely signed. Uh, essentially, this is born out of the fact that 40% of the shares in Lyon, which is a publicly listed company, quite a rarity in France, uh, you know, that's how Textor basically came to be interested in Lyon and how, how he came to the table. And now, 
he's basically investing in Lyon. It will remain Olas's baby for at least the next few years. Uh, and the idea is that they together, uh, you know, will turn Lyon into, uh, you know, the force that it once was. Uh, and the club that's really most capable of, of putting sustained pressure on PSG in terms of the league on title, uh, you know, and, and ultimately make them the, the second force uh, in, in French domestic football. Their summer started quite interestingly. Alexandre Lacazette has gone back home. There's rumours that Toulouse and Titi right, yeah. might also be going back to Group Armour Stadium, which would be quite refreshing because this is a club that has based most of its success uh, on the phenomenal uh, youth academy talents uh, that come through the ranks there. Uh, so I think that, you know, in terms of identifying the right club to, to get involved in, Textor, uh, you know, has uh, has done his homework. However, with somebody like Olas, I really question how much kind of power and how much say mm. anybody, uh, you know, going into a situation like that will have when you're talking about the man who has basically built Leon up from the ground over like three decades or something, uh, you know, because Olas, I mean, he, he is an institution in French football, he himself and then Leon the club as well. Mm. Olas has been there since 1987. I mean, that's a long time, except that, that geez, I'm not going to say that was, that was the year after I was, I was born. That's not cool. That was the, that uh, was the year I was born. <laughs> that's why we get along, JJ. You two are so young. That's when my uh, sister was born. My <laughs> so I mean, with so much transitioning, I mean, that's a massive transition. Talk about an institution that is Leon. What is Olas's legacy after all this time? You know what? I think it's easy to forget that Lyon were the dominant power in French football at the beginning of the 2007 straight domestic league titles. That, that's a pretty incredible run uh, in the in the pre-PSG era. In fact, I don't think PSG have even managed that yet under the Qataris. That's how much of an achievement it was. People will point to that and say, oh, it's because it was Ligue 1. It was, it was weak, but Ligue 1 was more balanced. I, I I argue that it's more balanced than people give it credit for now, but it was even more balanced back then. There were a number of teams that could go toe-to-toe, and yet Lyon was so far uh, you know, ahead of the pack for a lot of that time. They had some really iconic players, uh, you know, guys like Sonny Anderson, guys like Janino Pernambucano. Uh, you know, the list is is huge. And, you know, what Lyon did for French football at that time, you know, don't forget some of the classic Champions League encounters with Real Madrid. Uh, you know, it's really there, you know, they they helped to put French football on the map at a time when some of the other bigger clubs were really struggling. You know, Marseille were in a bit of chaos despite being the only club to win the Champions League from France. PSG were nowhere near uh, the club that they are today. Yeah. Uh, and giants like Saint-Étienne were, were messing around in the second tier for a while. So, you know, it is, I think, uh, a bigger club than many people give it credit for. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to something that you were warning us about for a while, Jonathan Johnson, uh, Bordeaux. And now, obviously, you know, due to their economical issues, they're no longer in Liga. What's the latest? And, you know, I think more importantly, what does this say about the health of uh, financial, uh, the financial situation in French football? Well, the funny thing is they're not in Ligue 1, but they're not in Ligue 2 either. Uh, Bordeaux basically have been administratively relegated uh, to the third tier, which is the semi-professional levels in France. Uh, and there is essentially a, uh, a basically a hole of 22 million euros in the club. And if that is not filled between now and the beginning of July, uh, Bordeaux will essentially 
cease to exist and almost and almost restart in the same way that uh you know we've seen parma we've seen fiorentina we've seen palermo over the years in italy uh you know it's it's really sad when it happens to a french footballing institution Mm. but you know the the mismanagement over the years uh for bordeaux and you know it's a stagnation let's be fair that's set in as well before american investment uh you know it's basically been a very very slow death uh and dropping out of league has had the kind of catastrophic impact on the club in in economic terms but also in terms of prestige that you would have expected it to that it, it is a mess from top to bottom and everybody is crossing their fingers that a group can be put together to somehow save it uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, a lot that's being said of uh, Gerard Lopez. Uh, you know, I think people can understand more now why he was moved on by by Lille. Uh, you know, we've seen a very messy situation unfold in Belgium as well. But, uh, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think there's just one person that, or, you know, or one party that can have their fingers pointed at uh, as with regards to who's responsible to this mess for Bordeaux. It's something that's happened now over the best part of 10 years. Uh, and, you know, we are at this moment in time talking about potentially the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. in the club's existence before it's forced into a hard reset. JJ, one of the things that I've kept my eyes on in French football, talking about institutions, we mentioned a club like Lyon, clubs that have been in the Champions League, Bordeaux, very iconic teams. Well, with the likes of Lyon and Bordeaux, the French TV rights deal, I'm going to guess that they're, they're, they're probably not anywhere in the stratosphere of Premier League. I mean, no one really is. La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga. From your vantage point, what needs to change in Ligue 1 to ensure that things like this don't start happening with iconic football clubs? We, we've seen Lyon get, you know, a new investor. Is it American investors coming in? Is it foreign investors? You know, what what really needs to change so to, to stop a potential pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's a really good question. Obviously, COVID and and France taking the decision to prematurely end that season didn't help, uh, and that created uh, the crisis in terms of the TV deal with Media Pro. Uh, you know, basically defaulting on a deal that was supposed to get uh, French football into the same stratosphere as you know the other the, the other top five European leagues. Now, it's taken a long time to get to this point. Uh, you know, Amazon uh, have taken things on mm. to fill the void domestically. But there is now a project in place uh, between now for it. So over the next two years, which will see CVC uh, in terms of a similar deal to what we've seen with them in La Liga, where they will basically acquire uh, a low percentage uh, of what's known as like a commercial vehicle. So the commercial uh, you know, group uh, uh, that holds the rights to, to French professional football, they will acquire that for a sum. That money will be split uh, between all of the clubs so that they can focus on, uh, you know, stadium renovations, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure, stuff that will serve to strengthen the game domestically moving forward. There's been reforms in terms of youth contracts. Uh, clubs are no longer tied to three-year deals. They can offer up to five now. Uh, and the hope is that with somebody like Mbappe staying on as well uh, and the league having shown that it is competitive, in recent years with Lille uh, being champions with Monaco as well back in 2017, uh, you know, that it is a league that's worth investing in. Uh, and the hope is that there will be a new international TV deal at some point uh, in the next couple of years that will finally help, uh, you know, when it's allied with the domestic deal, uh, you know, to actually put Ligue 1 in a position where they can compete with some of those top five leagues. It's a long way away from the Premier League and La Liga. It probably won't even get close for the next decade or so. But the idea is 
those at least to get closer to the likes of Serie A and the Bundesliga, who they are still dwarfed by at this moment in time. Come on now. High school French, baby. Let's go. Well, listen, uh, this is Très bien, si, merci beaucoup. All right, listen, uh, this has been a fantastic episode. Michael Lahoud and Jonathan Johnson, with all his knowledge of Liga, uh, it's great to represent the French League uh, at the very least for this episode as we look ahead to the rest of the summer and we finish it. Our producer is just wrote, yeah, he just said, I'm 13 years old. That's the only thing that he knows. Well done, well done Desnar, as your French is getting better. Let's finish with final thoughts, everybody. Michael Lahoud, let's finish with final thoughts from yours. Uh, what, what do you have for us? No, final thoughts for me. I'm going outside of the realm of PSG as we're talking about league. Uh, I'm excited for the Marseilles of the world. I'm excited for some of these teams that are in European positions because I really think that that's where you talk about league getting that respect back, getting back in the conversations with some of the top leagues. I really think one of those teams winning a European trophy is much needed. And Marseille, very disappointing that they fell short in the conference league. I thought they were going to go ahead and win it. So I'm excited to see who is that team that's going to just turn the tide outside of PSG for this league. Yeah, great shout, Michael LaHood. What What's your final thoughts, uh, Jonathan Johnson? Well, I'll add on Mike's thoughts, and uh, I, I agree. I think that uh, a strong OM uh, is really important for, for French football, and fingers crossed they can have the kind of European campaign that uh, you know does service to, to their history and, and what they've contributed They'll to the French They'll have to do it without Bubuka Kamara, Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They will. He's going to leave a big hole in, uh, in that team, but it's not just about Marseille. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to see Lille get themselves back in contention mm-hmm. after a very disappointing uh, title defense. But then you've got the likes of Monaco, who came on very strong last season. I'm keen to see what they can do uh, under a full season of uh, Philippe Clément. Then you've got Rennes, who look extremely good uh, under Bruno Genesio. And I'm, I'm keen to see what they can do. And also Nice. I mean, the, the feeling is that Lucien Favre is going to come back for a second mm. bite at the cherry. Uh, he did well the first time around. Let's not forget that he led them to, to I think it was third place off the top of my head uh, a few years ago. Favre has this funny uh, habit of going back to some of his former clubs and, and doing like two spells in each place he's a bit like Paul Pogba but uh, I, <laughs> I I think I think those are the kind of guys that you need to keep an eye on and fingers crossed they can go from strength to strength because like Mike said you know it is important that Ligan is not just sort of known as the the PSG league and if PSG can be given uh, you know more of a, a tough time of it in the next couple of years then all the better uh, you know for the French domestic game I feel. Yeah, absolutely. My only final thought is I'm excited to see these uh, promoted teams, Toulouse coming back, mm. and Auxerre after a 10-year absence as well, and AC Ad- Ajaccio, is that how Ajax- you say it? The Ajaxio. Bears. Ajaccio, yeah. Ajaccio, return to the summit of French football after an eight-year absence. So these teams haven't been in Liga for a while, so they're coming back to it. That's going to be excited, JJ. You excited for those promoted teams? That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, there's not much in French football that I don't get excited about. Obviously, it's a real tragedy to lose Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne, but 
Having a team like Auxerre back, uh, you know, they were a staple when I was growing up and, and getting to know French football. So, you know, having them uh, and their fans back in, in the yeah, top flight is, is fantastic, especially the, the dramatic way that they see our promotion. Toulouse as well, I've got a lot of time for the project that's being put into place there. Uh, you know, they're doing wonderful things with data and, you know, not on a massive budget either. So, you know, fingers crossed that they can impress again this season. And Ajaxio, you guys know how much I love my annual uh, holiday in Corsica. So having Ajaxio <laughs> in Ligue 1 is fantastic. You know, and if Bastia can have a strong season in Ligue 2, mm. who knows, maybe we'll have the Corsica and Derby and Ligue 1 at some point in the near future. That would be amazing. i got to go yeah. and take a trip there as well. And by the way, whatever you may think of the situation, Kylian Mbappé staying in Liga is massive for French football. It really helps them a lot. So we will see. All right. Well, that's the end of our episode. Fantastic sub. John underscore Le Gossip. Make sure to read all his content, of course, on CBS Sports. And Mike Lahoud, at Mike Lahoud as well, a contributor uh, to not just here, but Austin FC as well. How's Austin FC doing these days, Mike? Are they doing uh, they're, they're doing pretty well. Got a big matchup <laughs> against FC Dallas, though. Uh, first... Texas Derby between those two and Dallas, they've got, uh, gosh, a one Jesus Ferreira who's pumping in goals left and right. So is, it should be is, a good battle. Is, is, that, is that the name they're giving to it? The Texas Derby? There's not something, uh, there's not, not something like Co- the Raging oh. Cajun Derby or something like no, that? No, there, there, there really isn't a name yet. Um, for Austin, Austin in general, unless Austin brands it something, it ain't something yet. That's definitely the vibe that uh, the team is playing with right now. If we didn't come up with it, it ain't something. No, That's but on, on the field itself, you know, it's really going to be the battle between two potential MVP caliber candidates, Sebastian Driussi, who, if you remember, won Zenit St. Petersburg, LME, I'm sure you remember him from River Plate. This guy is a baller, yeah, 25, he's, 26 he's years baller, of age, yeah. um, leading the team and one of the leaders of the league. And Jesus Ferreira, U.S. men's national team, the the really search for a number nine looks like it may have been answered. So it, it this has so many implications and really a defining sort of game for both teams. I love it. I love it. My uh, local bodega guy, uh, mm. this guy, he was wearing an Austin FC shirt uh, a few days ago. And I was like, I was like, hey, man, Austin FC, what's up with that? And he was like, I just like, I just like green, man. He's just like yeah, the green. He's with the, he's with the Verde and black. Hey, tell him to hit me up. We'll get him some more swag. I love it. A Puerto Rican from Spanish Harlem wearing an Austin FC shirt. <laughs> there, you, there you have it. But anyway, Jonathan Johnson, John underscore the gossip, Mike LaHood, LME, thank you so much. Hey, we're getting so close to 13,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We got plenty to come, including World Cup content and so much more transfer stories with Fabrizio Romano. Keep on watching. Keep on sharing. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey.